0: It's good to be here. Thanks for having us. We'll get you to turn to Exodus 25 to start with. All right, I want to talk a bit tonight about is our God merciful or judging? That's the question I want to pose. I want to have a bit of a look at that. And and I guess... um, uh, Something when I was reading about this this can be quite a big topic um I um got into looking at this we're going to read in a moment a, a little bit about the mercy seat in the uh in the uh, tabernacle in the old testament and um I combed the web for uh for pictures that would do it justice, but there was none that I was actually happy with <laughs> so and i don't know if that's just um I'm not saying I could do any better, but um, the sort of things that we're dealing with here is very hard to put down on pen and paper. And I hope you can use your imagination as, as um, we try and sort of paint this picture here. But um, this mercy seat um, is actually serves a function as the as the lid of the ark of the covenant. And um, we know that from reading in Exodus 25 that it's got the same the same dimensions at the top as the ark of the covenant. And um, we know that it was kept in the holy of holies in the in the tabernacle, and and this was a place that only the high priest could go. Um, it's um, the ark of the covenant contained um, the tablets of stone cont- of the of the law. It contained the bowl of manna and, and Aaron's rod. But this this mercy seat, this lid. Um, Is, is just the part, just the start of this story, really, I guess, of, of, of the nature of God and of, of mercy and judgment. And, and I guess you could symbolically maybe think that this lid, this mercy seat sitting on top of the law there is, um, you could say that the, the law is contained by mercy or that the, that maybe Israel's sin that, that the law made obvious was, was covered by this mercy seat. And it's described as having, um, you've probably seen the, uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That gives you an idea of what the size is. They just took some poetic license with the rest of it. But um, it descri- the Bible describes these cherubims, uh, these gold cherubims sitting on top of the ark, two of them. And um, they're not, you know, you might think that, you know, cherubs are bare bottomed flying babies with wings. <laughs> That's the way that the world has, has sort of painted that picture. But. Um, When you look at the Bible, it's actually a different story. And and these, uh, in Ezekiel, he had a vision of cherubims and and, um, it talks about how their wings um, could be heard um, from outside the chamber and that that the wings sounded like the voice of God. So I don't know what that means, but it sounds amazing and not something that you could try and illustrate. Um, We know that there was a cherubim that guarded Eden after Adam and Eve were kicked out with a flaming sword. Not, not a baby, I don't think. Um, Ezekiel also describes that the, the the cherubims there were described as having four faces in four directions: one with the face of a man, one the face of a cherub, one face the face of a lion, one face the face of an eagle. And it says that they never turned; they just moved in the direction of one face. So we're sort of <laughs> getting into some pretty sort of amazing things to try and imagine, and and. The fact that one of the faces is a man and one is one is of a cherubim makes you think that the face of a cherubim is not the same as the face of a man. So whatever it is, I don't know. But um, they were also detailed. These, this veil, that this intricate veil that went around the holy of holies, it talks about that they worked the cherubims into that as well. And I'm not going to go into any more about cherubims. But apart from the fact that they were looking down, so they're either side of the ark of the covenant on this mercy seat and they're looking down at the mercy seat itself. Um, I guess you could assume from all of that information that we can gather that they guard access to God's presence, as, we, as we're going to read about God's presence in the Holy of Holies in a moment. and Maybe we'll just do that now. Um, in Exodus 25, uh, and in we'll just read verse 21, And thou shalt put on the... Put uh, uh, the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee, and there will I meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat and from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony, uh, of all things which I will give thee in commandment to the children of Israel. So whatever this looked like, whatever the cherubims looked like, they were there to guard access to God's very presence, that that God would appear on this mercy seat, um, above the law, like a throne. And uh, this is, <laughs> you can imagine why this is hard to illustrate when you imagine the glory of God there. And it sort of talks about how that when the high priest had to go in there, he had to burn incense to create enough smoke in the Holy of Holies to dim down the glory of God a little bit. So you know this is just an incredible thing to think about and and I guess if we 're going to answer this question about "Is God merciful or is he judging?" this is the place to do it because this is the meeting place of god's judgment and his mercy, judgment by the law and mercy as we're going to as we 're going to look at um, with the with the mercy seat so the day of atonement um was something that happened once a year for the children of Israel, and um, the atonement means to cover, to cancel, to cleanse, to pardon, or to purge, and so you get the idea there that this is this is for the sins of the children of Israel, and 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 once a year, every October on our calendar, um, the the high it was the only time that the high priest could go into the holy of holies, and um, he would sprinkle the blood of the of the sacrifice on this mercy seat, on on this lid of the ark of the covenant, um, where the presence of God was. And um, I guess the fact, if you think about it for a minute, the fact that this had to be repeated every year shows that it wasn't complete. It wasn't uh, um, it was a necessary but not a permanent solution. That this this cleansing of the sins of the children of Israel was something that had to be addressed every year and he would go back and and, and we won't go into the detail. There's a lot of detail you can read about the Day of Atonement and and there's some great symbolism in there as well. But I'll get you to turn to Hebrews chapter 8 and we'll just read in verse um, 6. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises... And we'll skip down to verse um, uh, 10 just for time. For this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I'll put my laws into their minds and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people and they shall not teach every man his neighbour and every man his brother saying, know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Know the Lord. I want to concentrate on that for a minute. Sometimes knowing the Lord seems like a way that you can sum up the whole point of everything the lord's done you know that 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 the creation should know the creator and um, and John one lays it out nicely if you want to read that sometime but talks about how you know the creator and and talks about the word and 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 Jesus being there from the beginning how he makes everything and then is summarily rejected by his creation. And, and a few, after a few thousand years of amazing interventions with the children of Israel, or with the individual people, with sending his prophets, of all the things that he did that people would get to know him, they would fear him for a time and then they drift away again. And, um, you know, usually the worse someone treats you, the, uh, the less you'd be inclined to offer of yourself. But we know with the Lord the opposite is true here that that the worse they rejected his creation rejected him the more selfless he became and he he sent his only son to be as relatable as god can get you know it's if you talk about knowing god and him wanting us to know him sending his son as a man is as relatable as god can get and 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 he did that for a reason and uh, and as his his final act there i guess if you like and um why did he do that? <laughs> because he loves us and 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 if we don't get to know our creator then there's no no hope for our souls and and he does want to connect with us. He does want us to understand his will. Let's let's go to John chapter 12. All right. Um just want to read two verses here. 47. This is Jesus speaking now. <laughs> And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. I'll Just stop there for a minute. A lot of people want to believe that it ends there, that we've got, we've got a God of love, not a God of judgment. And, and, and maybe there's even a thought that we're, we're safer in the New Testament as opposed to the Old Testament. Definitely safer, <laughs> but I want to explain that a little bit more. Um, and And Jesus appears merciful here in this in this verse, but if we read on, he says, "He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words has one that judges him. the word that I have spoken the same shall judge him in the last day. So there is still judgment, but he was there for a different purpose at that time and and that's what he was explaining to them and and maybe people can misconstrue that a bit and 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 I guess it's a challenge to us that we live. We live in a world where everyone around us lives like there is no judgment. They're, they will never have to answer to anyone, and, and in a way, the world refuses to judge anything, <laughs> except judgment itself. That you know, that no one's allowed to judge anyone for anything, except if you're judgmental, then you get judged for that. <laughs> so you know, we've got this. We've got this really strange situation where. Um, that's the way that man, mankind has gone and and that they're living like there is no judgment. And, and for us, we know that is just not the case. And we, we know it's not the case for the entire world, but we don't want them to live in that illusion because as Jesus said here, I didn't come to judge, I came to save, but there is a judgment. That's the, that's the important thing here. Um, I guess Jesus was... Um, in a perfect position to judge, he'd lived with God, he'd lived as a man, and um, but we know that his his mission to Earth, I suppose, um, was with mercy, but it was not without a purpose and without an end game. That 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 he brought mercy for a time. He delayed the judgment, if you like, and he um, he bought us time, and uh, and made a way for us. To actually have a chance, <laughs> you know. You think about um, Jesus doesn't always speak mercifully, and, and I'm sure that uh, that we're quite aware of of the of the strong sayings that that he used. But um, and even though some people have that picture of him, sometimes, you know, when it talks when he talks about the sheep and the goats, and um, there's a very clear distinction there that can't can't be mistaken. Let's turn to Matthew uh, chapter. 21 so um i guess jesus came to offer mercy for those who would repent he came to offer mercy for those who would follow him Um, and i guess the um the thing with the with the sheep and the goats is that jesus made it a 50 50 choice before jesus It was pretty much, we're all in line for weeping and gnashing of teeth. (laughs) You know, not to put too blunt a point on it. It's just that Romans tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and there's none righteous, no, not one. And we know when we look at what happened with Israel, that that's exactly where we would all end up. But Jesus came to bring, as we read, a better way, and he came to give us a choice so that we could choose mercy or judgment. And that's a first. That wasn't available you know, the, the, the children of Israel got temporary, temporary mercy by a, a, a sacrifice that they had to continue doing, but Jesus came to bring it in a permanent way. I um, just want to read this, an interesting verse here in Matthew 22, the 21, sorry, and verse 44, it says, whosoever shall fall on this stone. It's talking about Jesus here, the, the, the cornerstone. Whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. <laughs> so if anyone is unsure about Jesus being purely merciful, this one will put it out of, out of the picture. Ground to powder is, is, is one thing, but I actually want to talk about the first one, which doesn't sound like much better option because you still be broken. But if you look at the Greek word for broken, it's actually only ever used once in the Bible. It's used in this case. Uh, well, in two of the Gospels, in the same um, same type of sentence, describing the same thing. Um, and if you look at the root word of of falling on this stone and being broken, it actually doesn't mean smashed, but it means smashed together. It's talking about a union and that we would be that we would be joined or or yes, broken on this stone, but that we would be joined to him and. That, that that's a safe place and that's the safe option he's giving there that our, that our natural man maybe needs its edges knocked off. We know it does. That, that our, own, our own wisdom and our own inclinations need to be broken sometimes by knowing God and that he wants, he wants us to know him personally and he wants to show us the things that are not right about ourselves and he wants us to be broken on this stone to be reformed in his image. And all the people said amen um, so yeah it doesn't actually mean broken but to but to be unified and and, and smashed together with that um, foundation let's go to first Corinthians 11 this is just I'll just touch on this quickly um, in verse 31 it says for if we would judge ourselves we should not be judged it's um I guess the Lord has equipped us with everything we need to judge ourselves, to to align ourselves with God's word, to be to be joined to that foundation. And um, it's like um, I, I sort of thought of it a bit like preparing for an exam, which is not a great example because I know that people don't generally like that. But there's actually. No excuses with an exam. You're actually given the textbook. You're given everything that you need to prepare for that exam. And if you are diligent and you put in the time and effort, you can learn from the textbook what you need to pass the exam. And I would say that the same thing is true here, that the Lord has actually given us the textbook and he's, and he's done better than giving us the textbook. He has empowered us to live the textbook, that he's put the Holy Spirit inside of us, which which allows us access to the knowledge of God because how better to understand him than to read his word and to understand everything that he wants to teach us personally out of the word, seeing Jesus isn't here anymore to speak to us, yet his words live forever on these pages. And if we would would want to know him, if we would want to know the creator, which, as I was saying at the start, it seems to be almost the whole purpose of everything sometimes, that that he would he would want us to know him, it's all here and, and available for us. Um, I'm out of time, so I'm going to skip a few things and go to Hebrews chapter ten. Actually, I will just touch on I will just touch on something else quickly. Um, we won't go there, but um, oh, actually, we will. <laughs> James chapter two. <laughs> One thing that I got thinking about this as well, um, thinking about the Lord's mercy and the Lord's judgment, is that um, are we qualified to judge? Um, And I guess um, in James 2, verse 13, it says here, for he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. (sighs) bit of a scary verse when you think about it that you can already know what it's saying is you can already know how much mercy is going to be shown to you because it's directly proportional to how much mercy you've shown others (laughs) and uh and 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 an important point here is it says that mercy rejoices against judgment that um and as we saw with the with the mercy seat sitting over the law containing the law um that that the lord's presence there and and that and that that sacrifice which you know there's parallels that that need to be drawn there to the sacrifice of Jesus that blood being spilt on the mercy seat and what that achieves just that that we know that um the lord's mercy endures forever we can read elsewhere and 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 he would that's the way he would he would have it over judgment and yet um I guess the the question I was asking was, are we qualified to judge? And, and I guess it just got me thinking about a few other verses. Um, don't turn to them, but um, 1 Corinthians 4 says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. Or in the Amplified it says, Then shall every man receive his due commendation from God. So... And in Matthew seven, we can read about why do you behold the mote in your brother 's eye when you've got a beam in your own eye and and so I guess it just got me thinking about the difference between judgment and discernment and and I guess um, judgment maybe in us is is something that forms an opinion uh, from a distance without knowing all of the facts or, or maybe not taking the time to know the facts whereas and 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 maybe God well, definitely God is qualified to do that; He knows all the facts and and he can he can judge from any distance um but not not so for us as you would as as we've read here and 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 yet discernment is really important for us that that discernment has empathy, discernment has love, discernment has wisdom discernment doesn't draw conclusions but maybe drives us to see if our brother or sister is okay. So that's a that's a bit of an aside to talking about God's judgment, but I just thought there's some good verses that are worth throwing in there. Let's finish off in Hebrews chapter ten. Oh wow, I missed out heaps. <laughs> I was in second in Second Peter, um, it's it's oh, we won't go there, but um, it basically um, talks about um, the warning, I guess that that it talks about Noah and it talks about Lot and and how it, it's, a, it's a perfect um, way that God's mercy and judgment exist in the same story and that, uh, um, you know, he didn't spare people from the flood, but he saved Noah and, and he didn't spare Sodom and Gomorrah, even though Abraham bargained with him from 50 down to 45 to 40 to 30 to 20 to 10 you know Abraham was desperate that if there were just that many souls in the city that it could all be saved and the Lord was prepared for that but they didn't make the quota in the end and and we know that that's another story with with mercy and judgment and I guess the encouragement from those is that that um, well, there's a warning, and that's what Second Peter is trying to get across, that there's a warning that God will righteously judge the ungodly and no one will escape. But the encouragement that Jesus brought to us is that God will rescue the godly from judgment and he will always make a way of escape. And all the people said, amen. Let's, let's finish in um, Hebrews 10. We got there eventually. <laughs> um, we'll start in verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after these those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Uh, now where a remission of these is, there is no more offering for sins. So there's no more day of atonement required. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. So this is taking us back to the start, back to the mercy seat where God wanted to lay out you know that's the start of this whole plan that he wanted to show the children of Israel the balance of mercy and judgment and 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 the completion of that plan is the is the part where we where we stand where we can enter this holy of holies where if you try to imagine that place with the glory of God sitting on top of the ark m- That only the high priest could go once a year, that's a pretty special place, and yet it's saying here that we have boldness to enter by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that uh, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water." Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And it goes on, more good stuff. But um, I guess if we go back to the question at the start, is our God merciful or judging? Um, It's pretty clear that he's both. And uh, it's pretty clear that we are in a really privileged position that we're in where where Jesus has come and we have this fifty fifty choice. <laughs> um, we can choose to be a sheep or a goat. That's that's completely in our court and we've got everything we need to do that. And uh, and and not just not just the words on the page, but the spirit inside. And I guess if another way we can talk about mercy and judgment is there's a time coming soon where Jesus will return to the earth And there'll be a first first resurrection where this mercy that has been shown, this time where people can be filled with the spirit and and make themselves right with God, mercy is shown at that first resurrection. That's, that's That's where those who followed the commandment of God will be shown. We know there's a second resurrection after that where it's judgment. And, and it's um, and people will be judged according to their works, which is not a position that I think any of us want to be in. But praise the Lord that that we are in this place where where we know what we've got to do. And and we, we understand that God's mercy endures forever. But we also understand that there's a judgment coming and, and that we've got to make sure that we do everything that he has asked us to do and and that we encourage those around us they like we just read here to provoke one another and and we could we could read in some in some um it also says for, you know as for god his way is perfect and 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 we can trust him with that he is he is a righteous judge and he's a perfect judge and and we don't need to be afraid of that because he's he's made us his sons and daughters and he's actually equipped us to to have everything that his mercy has to offer us and all the people said amen